0: and 3CR on digital radio. I'm Anne, and with co-hosts Bill and Mitch, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present and to acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling, food, and other addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week, we're joined in the studio by Mandy, a member of Al-Anon Family Groups. Al-Anon is a fellowship of people who understand the loneliness and frustration of being close to uh, people for whom drinking is a problem. So welcome, Mandy. Thank you. And welcome, Mitch. Thank you. Uh, So Mandy, we'll just start you off by, uh, would you tell us where you grew up? Yes, Uh, thanks Anne.
1: I grew up in Kyabram, country Victoria, in the Golden Valley.
0: And uh, what was your early childhood like?
1: Uh, It was, um, we had a lot of freedom in terms of, you know, being able to play in the street and things like that. But we were also um, very dominated in our um, home and there was a lot of um, unrest and Uh, anger and uh, resentment and,
0: yeah, uneasiness in the home. Sure. And who was the dominant um, person? Dad. How did that play out?
1: Yeah, it was, we, well, I grew up thinking, you know, that everyone in life loved their mother and hated their father and that's exactly what I thought everyone was like. I didn't know that that wasn't correct. Ah, yeah. I I
0: relate to that. Yeah.
2: When did that change for you?
1: Um, so it started to change
0: probably, maybe in my late twenties. Mm. And uh, was was your dad physically violent or just uh, verbally abusive? Or so he was verbally abusive,
1: and um, he was just angry yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um. So in relation to your dad being that figure, did you kind of use the freedom that you had to get away from that situation in the house?
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah I was always... I didn't invite the friends to
0: my house.
2: Yeah. I no.
1: went to their house.
0: Yep. And did you play... it? So you played a, a lot out in the street with, with your friends and that would have been a happy time in lots of ways then? Yes,
1: it was, yes. Mm.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, and so what was school like for you? Yeah, so
1: school was tough because... Um, I was young when I started. I was four and a half when I started preps. And mm. uh, my concentration was, I don't know whether it was interrupted by, you know, what was going on at home or whether I was just immature. But I definitely fell through the hoops. Yeah. Uh, I mainly love going to school to see my friends. Yeah.
2: yeah. And did your teachers kind of suspect that something was going on at any point in time?
0: Uh,
1: no. No, and no. I think I don't think that generation were really no. No. looking at what was going on at home. Mm.
0: I had um, both of my parents uh, hospitalized. One one was the alcoholic when I was fourteen, and I actually took my um, two year old brother because I was I was at home with the kids. <laughs> took my two year old brother to the school swimming carnival, and I think because I just thought this is hyper responsible <laughs> eldest child, and I just thought. Uh, well, I think one teacher said, "Have you got permission to have that child <laughs> or something?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, I just have to or something." And no- nowadays, you'd be the counselor would be involved. You know, you'd be straight away. Straight away, exactly. <laughs> somebody would be getting called. And so exactly. it was a different time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's it's just so interesting because you know one of the first questions that the teacher would ask would be, you know, what's going on at home? You know, what is that responsible? Whereas I feel like. It would be like, you know, what's going on with your homework? Are you not committing enough back in the day Mm. in regards to distraction? Yeah, it would be your fault. Yeah, put it on you. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. It was always, they're not applying themselves. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They didn't want to look at the... Big picture. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, So tell us about the alcoholism in the house,
1: yeah. So my dad got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous when I was three years old.
0: Oh, okay, but he's still angry after that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So I didn't see any active drinking. So um, for me, <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't put my finger on what was wrong. Yeah, you know. And um, alcoholism is a spiritual illness, and um, it's, the drinking is only a symptom of mm-hmm. the big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the um, low self-esteem and unrest and, un, you know, sort of not fitting into the world is the bigger picture of that disease. Yeah. And I saw that in action as a child. Yeah. And um, so I didn't know what was wrong. I just thought uh, they've got four mouths to feed, four kids that they didn't plan because they couldn't in that era. And I took it on as my responsibility to um,
0: Were you the oldest? Sorry to interrupt.
1: No, I was the third. Right. Yeah. So um, I started to... And I, and I watched the older two kids make mistakes. And I saw it um, and I used it as a tool to win brownie points. It's big goody two-shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was goody two-shoes. Yeah, so yeah. these two were mucking up. Yeah. And I was, um, you know, I was going to be the good girl. Yeah. I tried hard at school. Yeah. I tried really hard to lift that mood in that home. Did you, yeah. I was try to be a comic and um humorous and have jokes and things like that and and you know, for mum I do all the housework for her.
2: And did you feel as if that was working at the time? Did you feel like you were successfully lifting the spirits of the house?
1: Uh probably not the spirits of the house but I kept the um heat off me.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, that, and probably
0: that was my, my motive, mm. yeah. Were you trying to keep the heat off your mum as well?
1: Yes, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, and did you, um, did you well, we'll come back to that probably because yeah. that's the kind of uh, important thing that happens in an alcoholic family that people later on in their adult life have to work through the issues of that enmeshment. Yes. And yeah. all that, but we'll come back to that, yes. I think. yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else, what, what about your other siblings? How did they cope with the situation? Uh, So my sister, she
1: was the oldest and she was shepherd of the sheep. You know, she was looking after the kids, as you know, Anne. Mm -hmm. You're the first child. And they just feel this utter responsibility for the the little kids. And um, and mum and dad made her responsible Mm. too because my second uh, brother, he was... A free thinker. He just wanted to get out in nature, and he was doing that from the age of two. And um, that was it. Was all right. Where's, where is he? Where is he? And you need to find him right. for my sister. Uh-huh. So, um, so she was the, the shepherd. Um, the next one was the um, the wayward child, the naughty one, the naughty one, <laughs> the second naughty child. She's the okay. case in most families. Yeah, yeah. And I was the the prim and proper. Miss Goody Two Shoes and and the baby got all the te- all the attention, right? They can't do anything no. wrong, so. Yeah.
2: So, how did your siblings deal with your dad's anger? Because I can only imagine how confusing it would have been. Because at least with the alcohol, you can pinpoint it to something, right? Yeah. Whereas he just was angry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, my sister she was uh, verbally she verbally tried to control him, the oldest one. Yep, yep. the oldest one. Yeah, and then. The next one, you know, he he just took it really,
0: mm. and
1: yeah, I think yeah, I think they had their own ways of dealing with it.
0: And how so. did your mum deal with it? She was passive, mm. yeah,
1: passive controller.
0: Right, so. How does that look? Explain to the audience how passive controlling looks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it means you don't
1: stand up for anything, and you just don't stand up to him because you don't want him to get angrier, and you want the children to in line so that we don't poke the bear mm. pretty much no
2: conflict yeah. you know it's just easier that way yes mm. yeah kind so he'd, he'd
0: be set off with any old thing then with noise or because he was uncomfortable on his own skin right yes. so anything would set him off
1: yes
2: yeah 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 and do you know about like what his recovery would look like or you know after he got sober was it a day-to-day thing that he was trying to practice to keep his sobriety or
1: yes yeah he he the one thing I'll give him is that he was committed to Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. mm. and he tried his hardest to go to meetings and to be there for other alcoholics and right. and he did that very well. But to be fair, he got sober in 1966. Alcoholics Anonymous hadn't been long mm. in Australia mm. and the program of recovery really wasn't practised
0: It was about staying sober. It was helping each other stay sober, and it was all guys, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. exactly that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there wouldn't have been a lot of delving into what your issues are that you've brought with you into your marriage or anything. No, yeah, no. No. Sure, totally different time. Yeah, and what were your own teenage years like, um, Mandy? Uh, So I was just like
1: so sensitive, so self-conscious. I couldn't talk to boys. I was just really uptight socially awkward um I I was with a um, group of girls that were quite outwardly aggressive and Mm -hmm. you know in when I say that they swore and um that sort of thing because now I see that I needed protection oh Um, okay that's interesting isn't it yeah I needed protection because I was so insecure myself
2: and how did they offer that to you in social scenarios?
1: Yeah, well, they they would just verbally, you know, say whatever they like to people to pull them into line. And, um, yeah, and I just thought, oh, I'm protected here.
0: So because, you're, in, you're in the gang? Yeah, if, I, was, yeah. A gang. I yeah. was in the gang.
1: And I only realised that because I met up with um, a girl once. I was already an adult and I went to a doctor's office and she was a receptionist and she goes... We were so scared of you. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm sick of me. Like, I'm, I'm a harmful little, harmless little fly, you yeah. know. But I
0: understood when she said that. By
2: mm. association, almost. Yeah. You know, it's mm. like you represent who you're hanging out with. Yes, almost. exactly.
0: Mm. Yeah. And what a survival skill. You, know, you can just see mm. how that works, isn't it? You've learned it at home and you've just taken it into the world with you and it's yeah. working for
1: you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't do very well as a teenager. Didn't have a boyfriend till I was 17. I just couldn't even contemplate mm-hmm. that. I was just so awkward. Mm-hmm.
2: And the other girls in the group, they had boyfriends earlier than yes, that, and yeah, they were well, good with that.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, my very best friend, she met her husband when she was 13. Oh, wow. And he was 14, and they're still married, and they live around the corner from us. Yeah. No
2: way. Wow. So T- you- times have changed, I was going to say. You don't yeah, see yeah, that yeah. too often.
0: Yeah. What about parties and stuff? Did you can not, not go to parties and hook up with people? And...
1: Yes. Yeah, so when I went to parties, I I wasn't allowed to go out till I was sixteen. Oh, I mm. see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but we yeah. were really dominated. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went out to parties, a lot of a lot of my um, girlfriends loved drinking as well, and um, they still do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I just never wanted to touch it, alcohol. So I drank Coke mm. and um, I couldn't talk to
0: yeah boys. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go have a little break and yeah. we'll be right back. Are you, oh, we'll be, put our song on first? Or we, yeah, oh, Mitch has got a song for us because um, Mandy's from the 70s. So. I took
3: my love, took it down. Climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in snow covered hills. Till the landslide brought me down. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I say, changing ocean time to me that if you live in a in you know, a completely violent um cultural year that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives accent to women what's a border they don't see it like a big wall right along the how the can country? people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are two where there are armies there and terrorists there such conflict every single day of their lives
0: accent to women a show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds on Community Radio 3CR.
3: Do you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? Well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the Books and Boots bin. Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website, www.booksandboots.org.au. We love a good book.
0: This is a living free show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR living free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or the platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, Today, Mitch and I are talking with Mandy, a member of the Worldwide Fellowship of Al-Anon in which people affected by someone else's drinking share their experience strength and hope to solve their common problems so Mandy you were talking before about you weren't directly affected by the drinking but you were affected by the ism in the the alcoholism of your father even though he was no longer drinking um so you told us about your teenage years tell us about your early 20s now and what you started doing yeah so
1: um in my early 20s I thought I would do life very different to mum and dad and um, I went out into the big wide world and um, I got pregnant straight away. <laughs> yes. And that definitely wasn't on my agenda. You know, I, the last thing I wanted to do was be a single mum because I wanted to have, you know, the, um, the marriage with the white picket fence and, you know, the two children and, the you know, everything in order. And that's part of um, being an adult child. Is uh, we want things perfect.
0: That's an adult child of an alcoholic. Yes, yeah, yep, yes.
1: Thank you. And um, yeah, so um, I got pregnant, and I had a baby, and um, I was um, I had a baby to an actually a sober member of AA, and uh, he left me when I was five months pregnant. Mm. So. Um, so I didn't have very good opinions of sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous at that stage, you know. And um, I thought that my life was over when I had a baby because no, no one would want me. And, um, you know, so I just worked and tried to make ends meet for her and um, eventually I met my husband and... Um, who was a functioning alcoholic? Hmm. I didn't know he was an alcoholic at the time, but he was high functioning. They had a family business, he financially we never suffered, and um, he was uh, he well he, he didn't come home every night, but he he was you know mainly there most of the time. So so
2: did you have your suspicions about him being a functioning alcoholic? At first?
1: No, I didn't want him to be an alcoholic because I had those preconceived experiences before, and I had that idea of I do not want to have an alcoholic. So I I talked myself into Chris being um, a functioning heavy drinker. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I guess you also had your your notions about sober members of the program too. After you know the person you had your child with leaving as well, so it's like. Sober people, alcoholics, functioning alcoholics, it's like can't win kind of thing. Yes,
0: correct. Yeah. So you just didn't know what you were dealing with at all? No,
1: no. So, um, and because we didn't really have a lot of hassles, you know, we, we got um, together when I was 23, we, got, we bought a house when I was 24, we got married when I was 25, and I had a baby when I was 26 mm. to Chris. And um, by the time that baby was one, I'd had enough.
0: Oh, was that quick?
1: Yeah, so it's only a four-year period that I'd had enough of um, his inability to be responsible and dependable to the family like he Mm. provided for us, Mm -hmm. but emotionally he was unavailable.
2: Was there an incident that kind of triggered you feeling like that or was it a build-up? Yeah, um, I
1: I think the fact that I'd had another little baby, he was a boy, my husband really wanted a boy, Mm. and I thought, that should be the icing on the cake for our family you know he should just want to come home every night and you know and he didn't you know like um I think it was um Mother's Day of that year 1990 and um he just didn't come home he he went to a party and got loaded and and drunk and never Mm. even woke up. So I think I started to feel like oh, I'm on I'm in this on my own again
0: and I'm um, um, thinking back to when you said at the beginning that you thought your mum uh, was good and your dad was bad basically did that translate into men in general then and did that affect how you dealt with your your husband
1: I'd say it would have yeah mm. if I'm really honest the yeah. way I treated him yeah you know because I, I I'm not the angel in this, either, you know, because no. I've got my own baggage, and i'm I'm poking the bear, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. when I was in the um childhood home, I wasn't poking the bear, yeah. but when I was in my marriage, yeah, I was poking
0: it. So what was the difference then? It was probably well, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that I was
1: causing, you know, unrest and yeah. controversy in my marriage.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. But what I'm wondering is, why did you suddenly have the courage to be poking the bear and not being in your other survival mode of just being good? Yeah, I think
1: because Chris wasn't um, aggressive. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He was. He was a
0: get drunk, go
1: to sleep kind oh. of guy.
0: So it was just the main problem for you was the irresponsibility then. It wasn't that he was wreaking havoc when he got home or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us more about how that unfolded, how the marriage unfolded. Then.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that that irresponsibility and not being home, you know, when I had two little kids and, um, you know, he's he wasn't dependable for um, occasions and things like that. I just got really tired. and. During that year of, uh, that Christian was born, was um, I started going to Al-Anon again. I'd been to Alatine in my childhood, but I started going to Al-Anon when I was twenty-six because my girlfriend uh, said, "Would you come with me?" And I went for her, mm. not for me.
0: Yeah, but at least you knew that it was there. So that was some good thing that came out of your dad being in AA.
1: Definitely, totally, yeah. And um, so I stayed and she left. So I'd been in al on a year by the time I got tired of Mm -hmm. the marriage, the way it was.
2: And by that stage, you're in your late 20s. What's your outlook on life like at that time with more freedom from Chris?
1: Yeah, so... um, you know, when I left him, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I um, got the courage, I suppose Eleanor, give gave me the courage, to stand up and leave. And um, and I thought, well, I'll just do it on my own because I already had. And um, he rang me up and said, I'm going to go to AA. <laughs> and I thought, like, oh, no, mm-hmm. that's not what I want. You know, I haven't Yay. got a good... I don't want you to go to AA. And he just begged me to give him a chance, give me six months. You know, just give me a chance. And, and I said, all right, I will. And um, and then uh, six months came and we were trying to make a goal of it and he was really committed to um, staying sober. Mm.
0: Can I take you back to... You having that history of being an alateen—that's unusual. That's not—we don't normally have people on that have been to alateen and then alanon coming back to alanon. But did that do much for you when you were a, a teenager? Did it help a bit with your insecurity and your uh, shyness? And...
1: Not, not, not when I was a teenager, it didn't. Mm, but... but um you know, I think really, I only went to alateen to get a night out. Like I said, I was. Dominated. We weren't allowed out till uh-huh. sixteen. Uh-huh. I was allowed to go to a though well, before I was
0: sixteen. So
2: can't go to a party, but you know you can go get some help for yourself. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you pick up anything from it that you that uh, you stuck with you?
1: Probably a few of the slogans. And yeah. yeah, look, I think what it in looking back in hindsight, what it did for me is it it didn't stop me being able to ask for help. You know, to go to Al-Anon wasn't foreign and it wasn't that big leap over the wall to get there. Mm. You know, it was um, an open thing in our home. Um, Mum and Dad did Al-Anon and AA. And um, so it wasn't... I suppose that transition was easier because Mm. I grew up with those programs. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, right. So you weren't drinking um, when you were going to parties in your teens and whatnot. And how did that progress throughout your 20s and... Back in yeah. of your twenties, I, I
1: started drinking. Okay, yeah, I started drinking with my husband, and um, you know, I I got drunk and things myself, mm. and um, but what happened for me is that when I had my my babies, my second baby, and um, I was getting to the age of twenty six, and, and wanting to be more responsible, I feel that's uh, a line in our in our adult life where we want to be more responsible most of us and and I just thought uh uh, we went out on a night out and um I mouthed off to a um bouncer and and then Chris ended up in a fight with this bouncer Mm -hmm. so I felt totally responsible for that and I made a decision to never drink Mm -hmm. like that again Mm -hmm. and that was the difference between me and my husband I could make the decision he couldn't yeah yeah. you didn't have the addiction. No, I didn't have the addiction. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I just think that's interesting. You know, it was it was you that mouthed off, and then he took it upon himself to get involved and to fight with the bouncer and whatnot. And mm, yeah. yeah, he kind of thought he should step in and yeah. take control. Yeah.
0: yeah. So when you went to your first Al Anon meeting, so after you married, uh, did you relate straight away? Did you think, oh, this is this is uh, what I need now? When I've got because I've got this. Um, drinker at home?
1: Yeah well I didn't relate it to his drinking. Oh you didn't? No because I'm still in denial. Right right. right. I don't want him to be an alcoholic. Right. I I want him to be a functional um you know moderate drinker but um I started to feel like um I felt better in society in the world. Carly was at kinder at the time and I felt inadequate there as a Mum, taking my kids to kinder, and I thought, oh, I just want the world to gobble me up there, yeah. you know. And mm. I just thought, I need confidence, mm. and I know that Alanon will give me confidence.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you know Alanon will give you confidence?
1: Well, I must have known that from eighteen, right?
0: Right, mm. and just, I haven't even realised it. Just the social, just the being in a support group or in a group exactly. of people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then everybody feels the same way. We all, yeah. we all put on this public face yeah. to try and survive out there we're inside we're just imploding yeah. yeah and did
2: you befriend like other mums in al-anon and stuff like that and did you you know share your story and
1: yes correct yeah yeah, yeah right. so there was a lot of mums at that time and they had little babies and and we um hung out
0: together and uh mm. really yeah. identified with each other mm. do you remember your very first meeting but yes yeah so tell me what what was that like uh
1: there was two old ladies at the door, whereabouts was that? What's up? Greensboro. Okay. Yeah, Tuesday night, still there. <laughs> um, two really old ladies, and they um, they welcomed us at the door, and they were so lovely. I, I really reckon that that's why I kept going back because mm-hmm. they were so loving and welcoming to
0: mm-hmm. us. And what was the what, then what was the meeting like after that? Yeah, they and they didn't push us out the door we had a cup of tea and
1: really um talked to each other and they were really interested in you mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you said that was through alan on that you got courage to um leave your husband so what did you hear in alan on that made you have that courage
1: yeah look it, 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 they you know they tell us that we don't put up with unacceptable behavior and um you know i think that the fact that i was um starting to feel better in myself because I was going to the meetings regularly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and
2: did that confidence bleed into your skills as a mother and your your own confidence in being a mother to your kids as well? Totally,
1: yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. In, in what ways? Um, so, you know, I, I think I was able to be more comfortable in my own skin and and um, uh, confront school issues head on and um be a part of their community as well and yeah so definitely
0: yeah it's so what you say comfortable in your own skin it's amazing how much just that before you get into any nitty gritties just have being more comfortable on your own skin just makes you a better person for everyone around you yes yeah. doesn't it yes yeah.
2: yeah yeah confidence is key you know like what you put out there for yeah. everyone else if they can tell you're not insecure or battling your own demons yeah, or, yeah. super important yeah
0: Unless everyone's battling their demons and we're being honest about it, then that's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: which I'm glad is more of a thing today with <laughs> yeah. conversations around mental health and Very stuff like much. that. That's okay as well to work through it.
0: That's right. Um, so we'll come. We'll have a little break in a minute. But just um, can you tell us what was what were some of the early things that you learned in Alan on uh, when you went back early on that you can put out to people listening now that you yeah. think it's important for them yes. to know.
1: Yeah. Well, to live one day at a time, yep. that was definitely important, you know, because I was um, always projecting ahead, worried about the future and what might happen and, mm. um, and to um, live and let live, to let other people live their own lives and um, to, you know, stay focused on my own, um, to not worry about what other people thought of me. You know that um, was that a tough one for you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that didn't happen overnight. No, no. And and that can be still ongoing today. Yeah.
0: Well, all these things can be on. I mean, I yeah. I, I mean, I think first thing in the morning, I'm always thinking way into the future or something, or in the past, what I've said to someone last week or, yeah. or something. But um, yeah. I heard in a an Alanon meeting recently, a woman said she was sort of annoyed at herself for for doing all that, and she said, um, so I said to myself. Let's just be in Wednesday and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: let's give Wednesday a crack. Let's
0: give Wednesday a crack. Yeah, that's right. Don't Let's not um, try and live our whole life all at once, solve yeah. all the problems of the past and the future all at once and yeah. everyone else's problems. Yes. Yeah. No yeah. wonder we get tired. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah. tired. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's such a trap that you can just fall into without even realising. Uh, yeah, because we're
0: social creatures, aren't
2: we? Yeah, and then you're on that train of thought and it just takes you and you, yeah. you're on the train and yeah. it's hard to get out of.
0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. All right, Mitch. You've got another tune.
2: I do. I do. This is um, a Hiatus Coyote song. Uh, Melbourne-based band Hiatus Coyote, and this one is called "Everything's Beautiful." A nice Thank song. You.
4: G'day, this is Jacob from the Friday Rave. If the week's politics have left you wondering whether it's you or the rest of the planet that's gone completely and utterly bonkers, join us at five o'clock each and every Friday for a Friday Rave here on 3CR, where we'll do our best to reassure you that it is actually you, and us. A Friday Rave, bringing the five o'clock drinks debrief to you here on Community Radio
1: 3CR. All about a voice in our own country we've got a reason to be screaming out where's our voice in this country you
3: know not that i want to be a
1: part of the constitution for that you know that's why 3cr is so important to, to me and this community here we've got a voice but it's not you know we, we're entitled to a bigger voice than what we've got but it's all about having a voice
0: subscribe to 3cr fiercely independent and community controlled Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. This is a Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And we are talking with Mandy about recovery from the effects of living with an alcoholic. So, Mandy, recovery, um, you said that your husband asked for six months, give him six months, uh, so you didn't leave or did you come back? Had you left and you came back or you just didn't yeah, leave? Yeah, I didn't leave. You didn't no, leave, right? Like, I didn't leave. Yeah, yeah. and tell me how it all worked out.
1: Yeah, so I'd like to say that it was happily ever after that me and Chris were in recovery. He was in AA and I was in Al-Anon, but that wasn't the case <laughs> because, um, again, um, I... I did very little about the program of Alan and I um, went to one meeting a week and and did uh, live and let live for let go and let God one day at a time and I was probably good for 24 hours and then you know um, my isms kicked back in you know Thanks. self-preservation and and um, trying to
0: control the situation
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah you know? so that's what it is isn't it you kept trying to control you couldn't let go of that idea of controlling Exactly, yeah. exactly that. Would you be able to describe what the Al-Anon program is then, That what, what it's actually asking us to do? Yeah, so um, uh, my addiction is um, my need to
1: control and, and alcoholics are sit and duck for me so I'm always going to go for an alcoholic and want to control them. Uh, so I can't stop myself doing that. I need a power greater than myself to help me. Um, but I don't even know that because I'm living in my own head with my own ideas, protecting myself in a in a relationship that I don't know how to navigate, right? So, yeah. and then Chris is trying to do his program and navigate his way to uh, get recovered in AA. and. And I don't want him to find someone else to help him recover.
0: Oh, you I don't want wanna, the other AA members doing it?
1: Yeah, uh, I want him to go, come to me. Oh, mm. okay. You know, that's my sickness, is that I feel like that why can't he just do it for me?
2: I should be able to fix him because, yeah. you know, yeah, we're love. together. Love, love, yeah.
1: love conquers all, right?
2: Mm, allegedly.
1: We'll just get married, have children, and we'll just... It's that picket fence. It, does it, it thing? is. I think that sorts
0: everything out, yeah, that picket Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, we went on in our marriage for, you know, I think uh, Chris was for three three years, and then he, he practised the 12 steps, and uh, I didn't. So I was, I'm already four years in Al-Anon now, and I'm not doing anything. And... I'm trying to slap him into submission, left, right, and centre, making his recovery very hard.
0: What sort of things? Do, what does that actually look like? What sort of things are you doing and saying? Yeah.
1: So what I'm saying is, you can't go to AA that much. Oh, okay. And you can't. You know, like you, you go to that person's house all the time. What's going on? You've got a family. I'm, I'm like a ball and chain mm. on his foot, and. Um, and I'm busy trying to get all my needs met out of this one person. Mm-hmm. And I did that. Like mm-hmm. I thought marriage was the answer to all my que- all my problems and that he would fill every desire in me mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know. And when that didn't happen, I get busy doing whatever it takes, being either super wife or super aggressive or silent treatment i was good at that we were both very good at that mm. we could i think um we did two weeks once well, not that talking is, that, that is good
2: silent yeah. treatment yeah wow yeah that's is, almost impressive
1: yeah it's actually a form of aggression though isn't it like
2: mm.
0: totally yeah superpower though no it's not yeah no, it's <laughs> not powerful. everyone out there it's not superpower. it's, not it's not a, a super form power. of aggression it's bad I've only ever managed two days of that. (laughs) (laughs) Not very good at it. Not that good at that.
2: No. Um, And how did drinking and getting drunk relate to your own need to control?
1: Yes. For me, getting drunk. Yes. Well, I feel out of control when I'm drunk. Sure. So I don't like that feeling of being out of control, whereas an alcoholic feels in control. Mm. Yeah. So I didn't really like that. Uh, feeling of being out of control that's why I knocked it on the head pretty soon
2: Mm. and I guess for some people um, some alcoholics you know getting drunk gives them that reprieve from the control that they seek all the time I guess as well and it's the opposite effect almost but yes yeah that's interesting makes sense
0: yeah all right so you decided you must have at some point got the message that you're supposed to give up the control how did you how did you get that message and what did you do Well, I was 15 years in Al-Anon. Wow.
1: (laughs) And I I don't know how I just kept going back and doing very little, but uh, God and his grace uh, gave me a second surrender in El anon And my um, 19-year-old daughter at the time took a drug overdose. And um, I was flawed. I had nothing to help me unpack that. You know and um, I was so frightened for her life and um, where she was going to end up and um, yeah so luckily I was open to being helped through the mm-hmm. the solution through the 12 steps
0: so uh, that sounds to me like the gift of desperation and that's totally. sometimes what people need so I'm going to go asked you then um, you mentioned God and and we just want to put out there that that can just mean the gift of desperation or it can just mean whatever you want it to mean uh can you tell us what it means for you
1: yeah so i I only say god because i know people know that i'm talking about something greater than me i don't really like labeling it because i just think uh and i've heard uh philosophers and that say that God has been an overused and, and controlling word in a lot of people's lives. And, and so for me, it's, it's either creative intelligence, um, power of the universe, nature, you know, like you, can, you can't see the wind, but you can see where the wind's been, that sort of thing, just not even really knowing what it is, doesn't matter. Yeah,
2: but as soon as you say God, people more or less know what you're talking about or alluding to.
0: Yes, yeah. but they might get it wrong, and they might mm. because they've got their preconceptions. They might think it means exactly uh, yeah. Jesus father or something.
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, my, uh, my, yeah, my conception. Yeah. And was your
2: family religious at all growing up?
1: Uh, so uh, mum went to church, mm-hmm. and I went to church um, with my girlfriend. Yeah, in her family. I actually liked, I think I liked what was going on for them. It just, yeah. So,
0: so uh, how did the program, how did you um, use the program to help you cope with that desperate fear for your daughter?
1: Yeah, so I had to really look at step one yeah. in my powerlessness because I was powerless over that. Totally. Mm. You know, and I could divorce my husband, but I couldn't divorce my child. Right. You know, and um, so I was really powerless then. And and I didn't even realise that I was a controller, and that I was trying to control my whole life. You'd be trying to control her too, because you yeah. think you think you're
0: saving her life.
1: Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. So um, uh, so a lady was able to say to me, "You can go through the twelve steps, and you know, and look at your control issues, and and be,
0: you know, restored to sanity." Mm. Would you talk directly now to anyone out there who's got a child that's using drugs in a dangerous way uh, about how that first step can help?
1: Yeah, so, you know, uh, we're admitted we're powerless of whatever the child, you know, or the the drugs or whatever and it makes my life unmanageable because I go into obsession about how I'm going to fix that kid, you know. And um, so for me... um, you know, I, don't, I didn't want to go there because I knew that uh, putting my life on the line to try and save her was going to actually make it worse for her and me, for both of us. You know, our, I, was, I suppose the one gift I got from my parents is that they let us have our own experience. They let us make our own mistakes and learn from them. You know, and I was able to do that with mm-hmm. Carly mm-hmm. and to say, you know, you're a big girl. You can do whatever you like, you know, but I don't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And Alanon definitely gave me the courage to do that. To say that. Yeah, to yeah. say that. You know, yeah. how do you say that to your child yeah. when you're full of fear? Because a bee of fear is they are going to die. Yeah. And how
2: did the relationship progress after you were on us and you said that? Yeah, so
1: um, she continued. She took another drug overdose two years later. Yeah. And um, I couldn't be a bystander in that and watch it. And definitely Al-Anon has given me the courage to do that. And um, you What know, you mean is you, you turned away from it? You didn't I did. Look, you didn't look at it? Yet. Yeah, I turned away from her. And mm. I said to her, I love you. I adore you, but I cannot watch your life go down the toilet. Yeah. Mm. And um, she said that that was a turning point for her. It broke her heart. And she's great. she thanked me probably maybe six years later yeah, yeah. and said that was the best thing you could have ever done, Mum.
0: Wow, that's a really powerful um, message there. So you said, I, I love you, I adore you, but I cannot watch you put your life do this to your life yeah yeah exactly and it took
2: six years for her to come and admit that to you
1: yeah so it took her another um two years of going down that road again and look if I hadn't been in Al-Anon I would have had her in rehab I would have said you're a drug addict you're a loser that's Mm. it that's your life you know for the rest of your life but because I was able to take her hands off She just did what every kid that age does and explored drugs and alcohol. And when she was 23, she made a decision and said, if I keep going down this road, I'm not going to be able to fulfil my dreams of getting married and having children. And she stopped. Mm -hmm. So, you know, see, we can get caught up in uh, trying to prevent these children having their experience and working out whether, you know, they
0: have an addiction or not. Mm. And she doesn't. And at least she didn't have you um, criticising her no. or smothering her either with love. You just were there as a strong, loving presence. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make light of that problem, but it just reminds me of someone else talking about the show Shit's Creek. <laughs> and uh, somebody's some character i don't watch that show but some character on that s- says to other characters i really love that journey for you <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> i love the journey yeah. for you, for you. Uh, i'm not yeah, gonna yeah. do that but uh-uh. you can do that if you want i'll observe and <laughs> yeah. hope you have yeah. a good time
0: yeah that's it yeah all right what else have you learned in elinor
1: yeah so um so that 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 changed my life that surrender changed my life and um I obviously had the gift of desperation, like you said, and I continued through the whole journey of the twelve steps
0: uh-huh. with a with a help from a sponsor. sponsor.
1: Yeah, with the help
0: of a sponsor,
1: and um, my life changed. You know, I become a better wife, a better mother, um, a better worker, a better Al Anon member. I become a better person in in the world. You know, because I wasn't. Uh, I come to see that I had probably a hundred fears, and they're all over me, yep. like sores. And if you if you pressed it, yep. I cut you off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. out. There. I, I'm not friends with you because yeah. you've poked that little sore on me, and yeah. I can't deal with you doing that. Yes, yeah. because I was in self protection, you know. And this power greater than myself restored me to sanity around those fears, and I don't walk around. With fears all over me anymore Mm -hmm. so to be able to function in society and to be able to be okay to even talk on this show right Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done that Mm -hmm. probably 15 years ago I would have been too self-conscious you know um worried about superficial things Mm -hmm. that really don't matter
2: seems pretty black and white as well you know it's like this is a good thing this is a bad thing if you do the bad thing you're out
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. I had a black and white life, yeah, uh-huh. and there was no grey in between, you know. It was like, well, I cut, I cut a girl off, um, On, you know, we, we travelled to work together and she asked me a question about my daughter's biological father and... Carly didn't know her biological father at the time,
4: mm. so
1: I just cut her off. She didn't do anything wrong, no. but she hit a button in me, right? yeah, yeah, and I couldn't deal with her, mm. so I cut her off. But you know, the process helps us to right set right those mistakes that we make, and I was able to make amends to her, her mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. because she didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so. And what part of the of the twelve steps helps you to? become a less fearful less protected person how does it allow you just to be openly who you are without all that protective armor? Yeah so it's about
1: watching myself and seeing where I'm fearful every day because you know different fears come up don't they and um, because life changes and stuff happens like Chris is in hospital at the moment he's had um, spinal surgery and you know I can get caught up in you know, worrying about those fears. But if I turn to that power and ask for the power to carry out whatever Mm. and to take away the fear Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, I can't... It's like you can't live off the food you ate yesterday. So you need to eat spiritual food today. So I need to be in contact with whatever that spirit of the universe is Yeah, It's really
2: interesting. I've not heard of that phrase before can't live off the food you ate yesterday yeah, it's very it's a practical That's a good point yeah very literal yeah.
0: yeah but there is that point isn't there with step four where you have to just lay it out all on the table to use them to nice, continue that nice idea about food. Food. so yeah. it's not it's not just about white knuckling it every day it's that you've yeah. gone through that process with a sponsor where you've laid it all out can you talk about how that looks and how that works yeah so
1: um you know i look at um the areas where i'm resentful uh, and afraid and selfish, and I look at um, who I've cut off in the world. I've cut people off because, like I explained, that girl, you know, I'm resentful of her because she said this, and, you know, how do I treat her? I don't contact her. I, uh, what is it, say gaslight or mm. ghost yeah. them or ghost whatever, them, yeah. ghost <laughs> them. And, you know, I do that sort of behaviour, that uh, silent treatment, um, and then I look at my fears in it. And I talk to another person mm-hmm. about that. And um, we look at, well, are these behaviours serving me? No, because it cut me off from the world.
2: And it's not addressing anything, really. You're no. just choosing to ignore, more yes, or less.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it's been pretty freeing. And step 10 is the continuation of those. Yeah. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So, you know, I get to continually do that every day go, well yesterday I was resentful at the traffic because it was um I had to get home to talk on a many and I I'm like hurry up, I've gotta get home, <laughs> yeah. you know, like and and I get to see how that can make me like a not a safe driver yeah, on the road. Things right. like that. Yeah. If I really run with that and that's let right. myself think it's okay to not keep a check
0: on me mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so we're at the end of the show yep, thank be- you so much for coming in thank you would you just leave the audience with something some message of hope
1: yes so I suppose um you know a lot of a lot of the things that I say to the people I help in recovery if they're having a real struggle I just say uh you're having a great experience If you're in a really bad place, you're having a great experience because it leads us to really ask for help. We're not asking for help unless we're desperate. And um, so if you're in a really bad place and you're really struggling, see it as a good thing because it might uh, propel you to do some research to help yourself, Uh, maybe not Al-Anon, maybe another program, whatever it is. You know, I, I
0: hope that you can use that struggle to um, get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And by connecting with other people too, that's good in itself, isn't it? Providing they're good people. Yes. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's uplifting. That is a message <laughs> of hope. And, uh, Thank you, Mitch. Well, no worries.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks to both of you um, today. That was a pleasant, a pleasant, interesting conversation. Uh, so, and thanks for sharing your experience uh, with us today. Um, if you're concerned about problem drinking in a relative or friend and would like to find out more about Al-Anon family groups, then you can phone them on 1300 252 666 or go online at alanon.org.au. Coming up next, we have Ballon Wah, The Spirit of War, hosted by Uncle Taljum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. And uh, we'll see you again next week. I'll never love like I did before.
4: Don't call my